Thank you for joining Toxic to Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I am your host. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to licensed therapist Lance Wright out of Virginia. In, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about all things narcissism. We're going to be talking about how it's developed, what it looks like, how it presents, and also how to heal. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you, and I will talk to you soon. If you are co-parenting with a narcissist, you know that it is a complete shit show. The constant threats, the text messages, the emails, the phone calls, the manipulation of the kids, the intimidation, the threats of court, the threats of calling CPS. It is a complete shit show. There's no way, no other way to put it. This is the reason why I developed a co-parenting course to teach you how to handle each and every single one of these situations without losing your shit. It is important to know that, guess what? You left this person for a reason. You deserve the freedom. You deserve the peace of mind. And it is important that you learn how to, how to go about that, how to achieve that. To get your hands on this course, go to mattpfeiffercoaching.com. And for being a part of this podcast, I'm going to give you 50% off. You can use the code TOXIC50 to get 50% off the co-parenting course. And I'm looking forward to getting this into each and every single one of your hands. Take full advantage of the 50% off. Make sure that you earn your freedom back from the narcissist, even when you're co-parenting. You can co-parent without losing your shit. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining Toxic to Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I am your host, and I have on today, I have on Lance Wright, who is a therapist out of Midlothian, Virginia. And he is, uh, he not only is he a licensed therapist, uh, he is a coach, he works with couples. He has experience dealing with people who have experienced narcissistic abuse. You want to be very careful not to say that he has experience dealing with narcissists in therapy because then we, we all know that they don't like going to therapy. And I'm sure he'll speak about that. Uh, I've seen one of his videos. And so him and I connected on TikTok, uh, someone who uh, at this point has a very, I don't want to say small account, young account, because I fully expect that at some point in time, his account is going to um, jump right up as people begin to experience some of his knowledge and he um, someone who I know is very authentic very genuine uh, first and foremost but second of all his knowledge around the subject of um, of toxic behavior narcissism codependency I feel like he has a he has a wealth of knowledge so I'm excited for you guys to be able to pick his brain and for you guys to hear some of his experience. So Lance, thank you very much. Welcome to the show. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into therapy and uh, what, what, how'd you get to, uh, how'd you get onto TikTok first of all? Great. Well, thank you. Um, let's, how'd I get onto TikTok? I was, uh, my, I'm going to be married uh, next month. And so I've got, uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. I have uh, two soon-to-be um, stepdaughters, and mm-hmm. they were bragging about their couple hundred uh, followers that they had. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I watch this. I can, I can do. I can mm-hmm. beat that. I can one-up you." Um, so it started out as just a real, just basic information sharing, doing some five languages of love, um, 
and eventually I got into posting a little bit about um, my story, you know, as a therapist, we got these boundaries and self-disclosure. Um, you have to be real careful with that in therapy. And so this was a platform, not for me to heal, because I got to the point where I couldn't have posted what I do if I hadn't been healed, um, but wanted to let people know I'm where, am I, where I'm at right now. And you can be here too, mm-hmm. to be that kind of beacon of light to say, I've been hammered, mm-hmm. destroyed, and I got my way out of that. Absolutely. Um, so I, I've owned a psychotherapy business for 23 years, um, come from a lineage of therapists. My mom's a LCSW, my stepdad's an LPC, I'm an LCSW. Um, and so... Um, I own a small group practice um, here in Virginia, specializing working with primarily couples, um, but obviously working with a wide range that you always run into with therapy, anxiety, depression, um, a lot of abuse um, situations that um, dealing with with the pandemic. Um, the grief and loss is definitely been a dramatic uh, increase in what we see as well. That's a, you know, with, with all the, your work and, you know, I know you mentioned that you have 23 years of experience, you know, uh, let's just go ahead and jump right into the, to the elephant in the room, because one of the things that I hear, I'm sure you hear, we see it all over TikTok, all over social media. The first thing that, and you probably experienced it. I know I experienced it whenever I was going through this. The first thing that people say when they start hearing about some of the behaviors that people are experiencing with, with uh, narcissistic abuse is just go to therapy, just go to therapy, just get into therapy. It's, everything's going to be okay. Just stick it out. Uh, that it's um, that all relationships will work. We hear all those type of terms. Um, number one, have you seen couples with maybe one or both partners are narcissistic? Um, and what does that look like if so? And um, I think a lot of people just kind of have that question, is it able, are you able to recognize it right away when someone comes in or, or what's the experience like from the other side of it? Yeah, my ex- personal experience or professional experience has been, I have never, and I believe I did a TikTok on this, never, not one time in 23 years of thousands of clients had somebody come in and say, I realize I have these narcissistic tendencies and I'm hurting people and it's toxic and I need help. That has never been the case. Doesn't mean it hasn't happened sometime in the world with somebody, but it is so rare that that would happen. Are there couples or individuals that I've seen that maybe are a narcissist? Yes. And it's coming out usually in the abuse patterns that are there that are recognized during therapy. But the acknowledgement of, hey, you're a narcissist and here's the things that we need to do and we need to work on, um, unfortunately, 
has never happened. And you do the research everywhere. And I'm constantly, you know, doing workshops and reading and you name it. That, that's my world. That is the most common experiences of professionals in this field that it just doesn't happen, which is, it's really hard as a therapist because we're trained to believe we can help people. We know if we got some insight, we've got some motivation, we can do that. But it's part of the disorder that acknowledging that there's something wrong with me, that's part of the disorder. They don't do that. So they don't go to therapy. And that's the problem. And the flip side of that is it can really be used against you mm-hmm. that somebody can go to therapy and blow the smoke and mirrors and say, I went to therapy and here's the things that my therapist said, and I'm not the person that uh, there's something wrong with me. They said that it's really you. Um, you know, I, since I've put it out there on TikTok already, I, I was in a very toxic um, marriage for nine years. And I remember, you know, as a therapist, you're like, you should know better. I've learned since then, I get why. But we got to the point where she agreed she would go to therapy. And after her first therapy session, she came home with the power and control wheel for me, because I was the abuser. I was emotionally abusing her and she bought a book on emotional abuse. And I was like, I, I taught domestic violence for 15 years on that power and control wheel. And it was the perfect example of how therapy with somebody that is a narcissist or toxic can use that against you and make you confused and is maybe it is me um so it can really have a damaging effect and i always recommend and will not see a couple if i know that there is that level of toxicity because we're setting that person up for some emotional or physical volatility and it's my job to temper that as best as I can. A lot of people when I, when I told, when I, uh, I don't take anyone anymore, but when I did, and I told people that I don't take couples because of that specific reason, you know, people were shocked. And I was like, you don't, you don't understand if it's that bad, what it's going to do is that it's going to help them cover their mask even better. It's almost like it's going to show them the areas of their mask that, that, um, that it's uh, kind of cracked or whatever, and they're able to mend it up just enough, right, to continue to man- manipulate gaslight and um, and exactly what you just described, twist it, make you make you feel like it's your fault, and next thing you know, you're spinning your wheels like trying to work on something that really isn't there, and and, and it just and it just continues, and it and they just gain regain a different level of control and power, like in, uh, you know, and, and next thing you know, you've just been triangulated against with, uh, with the therapist. That's exactly what it does. It arms them with 
um, their tools of, it's another form of gaslighting mm -hmm. and knowing I'm not going to be a part. And, and for a therapist to be able to see through that, mm -hmm. that's not always the case mm -hmm. because they're perfect at being the con artist and mm -hmm. blowing the smoke and mirrors. So if somebody's coming in as a therapist, there is a basic assumption that somebody's going to be forthright. Mm -hmm. They're going to be honest about this. And if you don't have a backdrop of everything else, and this is what they're putting forth, um, we're not getting a full perspective of what's really going on. Right. Um, and, you know, that's where maybe I have seen a narcissist, but they put the smoke and mirrors up um so they could utilize that later so really screening for that is important the other part is there's such little education for therapists one on personality disorders you know i don't know what your experience was in grad school with personality disorders but you get a quick blip on it and you know go out there and you can do your thing it really takes knowledge of the therapist there's a some recent research out there on how many therapists are so limited in their scope around narcissistic abuse and that's where i always encourage people make sure you do your due diligence that somebody understands it mm -hmm. um i'll get uh responses on TikTok all the time that the therapist said you know essentially it's your fault mm -hmm. um and it's it's re-traumatizing mm -hmm. for them and that's that's doing more harm than obviously any good so making sure that when when you seek therapy for somebody that's looking for answers somebody has to be on top of their their game in personality disorders absolutely absolutely now uh, obviously you dealt with a um a narcissist who was a woman right? and a lot of times people fall into this narrative that they think that narcissists are predominantly men, um, or that um, you know, obviously someone who may have been traumatized that all men are narcissists, or uh, you know, just that it is a predominantly male-dominated disorder. Um, but is it that it's that it's male-dominated, or does it present differently in women? Um, are the numbers predominantly men with very few women, or is it more 50-50 than, than what we know of? Or what, what is that from your experience? Um, I think most of the research is going to point to that it is, um, it's about 75% male to female ratio. Um, in my experience has been, that's probably pretty accurate. Um, and I think that, you know, as a man and coming out and talking about I'm being abused, it has a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. And so men tend not to talk about this, which was why it was important for me to be able to say, hey, I'm a dude. This happened to me. And I'm a therapist, by the way. I got snowed. I got burned by this. And there's very, here's what we know. There's very little research on narcissistic abuse. There's even less research on men 
that have been narcissistically abused, mm -hmm. which is one of the nice things about TikTok because I get to talk to men mm -hmm. and they, they've got a model right here that's saying, hey, this happened to me. And they're like, oh, I had no idea mm -hmm. this was what was going on because guys aren't talking about it. So part of my platform is to stand up there and say, yes, and I, I can be the best man's yeah. man. I'm not your sit back, right. chill out uh, therapist. And to know, hey, here's an ordinary looking guy that is saying, this happened to me. I'm a smart guy. Right. I was a guy with great self-esteem, good values, knew the direction in my life that I was going. And then to, to know I, I, and to be able to examine it later, I knew what my vulnerabilities were and they were exploited. And knowing that from a male perspective, it looks very similar. And this is more based on personal experience and then being able to chat with um, guys on uh, TikTok as well. I think one of the things that, you know, we got this whole grandiosity piece with narcissism. I think for males and females, it looks a little different um, that it's utilization of sexuality and that look of almightiness and I'm all that. And those people over there are less than, mm -hmm. um, I think that is one of the, um, I don't know if it's a minor difference, but is one of the key differences yeah. that can be found there. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with that, that that's one of the key differences. Um, and I think that just kind of going to the going to narcissism in general, um, male or female, I think that it goes without saying is that one of the things that they do is that they, they use the tools that they have to their advantage and to exploit if that if someone um, let's say that uh, you have a narcissist who is a police officer, he's going to use that, he or she's going to use that tool to their advantage to exploit. If they are a network, if they do something with, you know, with, with network and um, network engineering or something like that, and be careful, they're going to tap into your, your system and hack information. And, you know, so it goes without saying that if, if, a, if a woman narcissist can exploit you uh, sexually and things like that, it goes without saying that they won't hesitate. And, and men will do that too. I've, I've heard of, of men doing that as well. Um, but that's, you know, that's just kind of my own personal opinion from what I've seen is that they'll utilize whatever tool that they possibly have. Um, but they always, but that's the key difference is that they always have a tool, whatever tool that that tool is. Yeah, and I think it's the, the hard part, I think when you really, um, even as, you know, as a, therapist and and growing in my knowledge and, and it was personally motivated um initially and obviously it has its benefits for therapy as well that you want to know did this person did did they really snow me did they have a plan this whole time did they put this mask on because it you know it cracked but then, oh, they're, they're loving and they're showing this. And so did they really plan? And when you 
look at the research and you look at the literature and you hear from people and you have the clinical experience, you begin to put this package together that it's unfortunate and it's hard to put that harsh reality out there to say, uh, yeah, unless somebody's like on the real mild lower end of narcissism, which is usually who we're not talking to, it's, yeah, this unfortunately is part of, you know, this disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, you know, I was at a conference recently and they were asked if it's a disability and they said, essentially, yeah, it's a disability because mm -hmm. this is the world that they're seeing and processing life through on an everyday basis throughout the rest of their life. It's, it's pervasive and enduring. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the, I want to get into some of the vocabulary. Um, just kind of, I'm going to kind of just, I guess, kind of um, rapid fire some vocabulary to you and, uh, and have you give kind of a brief, even if it's just your own, um, your own, um, what you call it, your own definition to it. Um, love bombing. What would you say? What would your, what's your definition of love, love bombing? Somebody's love bombing. It's usually, I think there's a misperception that it's kind of just in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but usually that's what we will consider love bombing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's immediacy of your just started a relationship and somebody is taking you on a trip they are showering you with so much love and attention and it's an awe experience because you're feeling like oh my god there's somebody out there that is just so unbelievably over the top into me and it's a tool because that's not the authentic self. Yes, we want to put our best foot forward when we first meet somebody. Mm -hmm. And and there's probably people out there that love bomb, but that's just who they are. Yeah. They, they shower somebody yeah. with their love and attention, but this is different. It's a form of manipulation. It's the hook. Yeah. It's the hook that gets yeah. you. I can remember that's how mine started. It was, it was a trip. Mm -hmm. It was this you know, extravagant trip that she really was paying on. for. You think, that they're, you think that they're your soulmate. Oh, it was, and it, it accelerates. I, I was married within nine months. Yeah. I, as a therapist, mm -hmm. I always caution everybody, don't yeah. go into it that fast. No. Um, but it, I, I, was, I was in but, their grip. Mm -hmm. uh, trauma bond. Um, trauma bond is a connection to cognitive dissonance, which th those two to me go together. I agree. Cognitive dissonance is this crazy polarized thoughts. Mm -hmm. The simple example I always give is oh my God, I, I love her. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I hate her. Mm -hmm. We have the best times. We have miserable times. And our brain 
especially people that there's some good research out there, people that are victims of um, narcissists. We are vulnerable. I know that's why I was vulnerable um, to be hooked by a narcissist. But our brains have a hard time making sense of that because it's nonsensical. It doesn't make sense. How can somebody be so loving but so ruthless at the same time? So we're, we're hooked with those memories of those great times. We can't see it objectively. And that's, I had somebody ask me recently, well, how do I get objectivity? And that's not a one line answer but we need to figure out how we can get some objectivity which during and you hear a lot about during you know that trauma bonding how do we go no contact and i endorse that because you if somebody's still in that trauma bond they're still connected to that person in some kind of emotional hitch we can't move forward we we need to cut that cognitive dissonance and get that objectivity. Yep, I, uh, so I, um, I know when we were kind of talking pre, you know, um, before we, before we went live and just kind of warming up for the show, I don't think I, I shared with you that I used to be an addictions therapist and it's the same model that um, people who struggle with heroin addiction go through, right? This, this euphoric phase in the beginning, right? They get hooked and all of a sudden they're trying to recreate that very first high, what they call chasing the first high, right? But the problem is that it doesn't matter. You can use more heroin, you can use more, uh, more often, it doesn't matter what you do. And that's what causes the, the substance abuse is that I'm trying to recreate, trying to chase the first high, what they call it. And you never get there, but you, you get just enough of a high to think that it is possible. Right? And that's how people get themselves in trouble. And it's, it's literally the same part of the brain that deals and functions with, um, with love. And, and so it's very, very, it's, it's extremely interesting. Yeah, I love the, the connection with addiction because it, it actually, it is an addiction. Because if I ask you, you know, is heroin, is that a good thing? We know it's not. Right. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, illicit drug that so many negative things can happen. Well, if we do the same thing and say, well, let's look at this drug you're addicted to, which is your partner. Let's look at the good with it and the bad. We are hooked to that trauma bond of those positive memories and believing maybe it can get better. Maybe it can get there. It's that disillusion that keeps us hooked there. And I think that's why, you know, unlike a lot of other disorders that I would work with, if I see somebody that has that abuse history, to be open and honest with, because everybody wants to know, can they get better? And I'm always, I will always temper it with, is it possible? Yes. Is it possible I win the lottery tomorrow too? Mm-hmm. Yes. It is so unlikely. It's funny that, it's funny that you use the lottery analogy because I, I tell people, do you, do you believe in Bigfoot? You know, and people, because, uh, you know, 
people say, well, no, not really. I'm like, well, we have pictures. Like it, it is possible that Bigfoot exists, but like you said, is it likely? It's just not likely. And when we say, I like to give like almost percentages. When I say yeah. unlikely, I'm like talking minuscule. Mm -hmm. It is, and from personal professional experience, right. it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 you know, anything's possible, I guess. Right. But to know, somebody needs to know, they are not gonna change. If you choose to stay in this relationship, you need to lower that bar mm -hmm. and need to know what's going to be the healthiest it can be for you. Yeah. Cause that's the only way to live an experience and stay in a narcissistic relationship. Because yeah, when people, people just assume that change means that they are going to treat you well. Change does not necessarily mean that it's going to be dramatically different. Right. Change might mean that, um, I mean, if you argue 10 times a day, if you argue nine and a half, that's change. And if you add to that, can somebody, somebody may be able to change their behavior. Mm -hmm. Personality disorder, that is the lens of life they are always going to look at life through. Okay. And so can they develop some tools sure but they're going to consistently look at life through that lens yeah. it it is and the research really supports this that it is trait based it is based on personality traits mm -hmm. um one of the most recent workshops i went to really said we know it's genetics we don't know the impact that um family history may play to add to it but what we know is it is not just based on you know somebody being the top star in the family all the time and being motivated that way or or the opposite of that right. can that have an impact on somebody's malignancy of narcissism yes um but it is not um the sole reason for it it is absolutely um 100 genetics and when and, you say it's I, uh, when you say it's genetics um is it kind of like so is it like you are born with it so you are therefore now designated you are going to be a narcissist or is it that um you are now predisposed and if you're if you're not raised right is it are we still talking about nature versus nurture or um, yeah i think it... we are talking nature versus nurture we have you know in in our world we call it protective factors that mm -hmm. somebody may be predisposed to something but because they had these positive role models they were they learned how to be a different way so mm -hmm. it is definitely that combination of the two and i think that's why a lot of people will point to family history to say hey this person they had this awful upbringing and it, but you'll often hear but their parents were narcissists too mm -hmm. well it's, it's because there's a genetic link to it so, um so you can't just become i think the mm -hmm. most important thing you can't just become a narcissist because of um family history so that so that mom or dad that's listening 
that's kind of should I stay or should in that moment should I stay or should I go thinking that they you know um, maybe you know maybe they have a young child age five or under so let's say six or seven or under um, and they're worried about their child becoming a narcissist and they're recognizing all the signs in that that partner of theirs right and they see it in the family history um, would you say that it is in their best best interest to stay and try to um, raise that child to not to not develop those traits or to leave and to develop a completely allow for them to, like let's say that they're 50 50 which is very common these days um, for them to have 50 percent custody with them and then doing their best job that they possibly can during the time that they have with them yeah that's a when you have custody with um somebody that's a narcissist that is um a tough road and i and I, I really try to empathize the best i can um because fortunately i didn't i didn't have children with my ex-wife um and knowing that that person um is connected to who you know to be a narcissist I feel like our role as the other parent is just to do the best we can to love them, to show them the ways of the world, how to um, recognize, be insightful, try to encourage um, more of that introspection piece, which we know narcissists, it's a missing um characteristic that they have so trying at that early age to be able to um instill that uh some of the research shows that you know there are signs by the age of seven that somebody is a narcissist they don't mm -hmm. look like they do when they're 30 mm -hmm. but they're showing those signs and those traits so that protective factor Mm -hmm. is really important at that young age yeah let's go to the <clears throat> excuse me let's go into the uh, opposite direction you know because quite often we spend uh, and i get on people in my lives about this because I, I try to make my lives and my page more about healing than we are about so much about um, narcissism let's go into the opposite direction and say opposite direction that's actually one thing i tell people that it's not but let's talk about um codependency um, the, the other person in the relationship. Um, it's common for people to think that codependency is the polar opposite of narcissism, and it's not. Um, and it's, uh, I tell people that codependents grew up, it's almost like they grew up in the same household. Um, what is codependency and, and how does this play a part? And, you know, is, is codependency, is it toxic? What, what type of behavior are we talking about from a, from a codependent partner? When, when I see somebody that, you know, my first default is, okay, there's not, there's not a diagnosis for codependency in the DSM, but we know what codependency looks like. And we need to, you know, you can become codependent in an alcoholic um, abuse family. Um, we can find out that i have this tendency to 
be attached to um, need something when we know that it's unhealthy. And that's the key, I think, with codependency is I'm doing these things, even though hopefully with knowledge and insight, we can become more insightful to ourselves to know, all right, my patterns of codependency to being attached to unhealthy behaviors that I know is feeding this engine um, is not healthy and being able to develop it's always goes to insight and second it then goes to motivation do we have motivation to change Um, because what what parts of the codependency is based on my personality and what parts have been learned and um, exploited, and I've played this role throughout my entire life. And when, and when we talk about that, and we talk about the, you know, the, the role that it plays in people's, um, what, why would, you know, I know this comes into gaslighting, that's another vocabulary word I, I probably should have asked, you know, when a codependent is, is gaslit over time, and, that, and then they start to why is it that they begin to wonder if they are the narcissist or they're the problem in the relationship? When somebody, and and it's so classic, um, and and I'm a recipient of that as well, that, uh, no, you're a narcissist. I did a video on that. I'm a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Um, That it is, we, we have, there are two main personality traits that people that get sucked into um, a narcissist life have. And it's, there's the, what they call the big five, um, uh, which spells out ocean openness, conscientiousness, um, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Um, Research will point to two traits that victims or survivors of narcissistic abuse have. And it's that of conscientiousness and agreeableness. And those, and I put this out there all the time, awesome traits. Those are things that employers look for. Those are things that loving relationships look for. And that is exactly what the narcissist is looking for. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find a narcissist or rarely with somebody that doesn't have those traits. I think it points to like over 60% um, of persons have high levels in those areas. Mm -hmm. That creates such the perfect groundwork for a narcissist to gaslight to make you feel codependent because we we are open to maybe I am wrong Mm -hmm. and to really think things through and to be empathetic because we would somebody really do this to me on purpose to make me think that I'm crazy 
and that's just going back to the gaslight piece. That's what gaslighting is. It makes you question your own sometimes yeah. sanity. I mean, I, I have a tendency to misplace my keys. And so I blame myself for that. Mm -hmm. uh, one example um, I have for my life is my iPad went missing. I'm like, mm -hmm. where the hell did I put my iPad? Yeah. Fast forward three years later, me and my son are walking through the woods. There's my iPad smashed and was thrown, you know, we had a couple acres, it was thrown in the woods. And it's like, she made me feel like I was, she smashed my iPad, yeah. made me feel, I mean, I felt crazy. It's like, yeah. I know I left it here. Yeah. That's just a real concrete example, which can I be always, commonplace. Uh, I, always use that. I always use similar, similar um, gaslighting examples of you locking the doors at, at, you know, in the middle of the night before you go to bed and then they will go unlock the doors and um, wake you up. Like, I thought I told you to lock the doors, right? And you're going crazy. I know I locked the doors, right? Moving your keys in your situation, the mm -hmm. iPad. I mean, um, people, I don't think that when people toss, I mean, it's just another, it, it's an important term to talk about, but people don't realize how insidious gaslighting actually is. You know, people, they toss around where it, it's it's losing its, you know, uh, I don't even really like the term gaslighting. I like the, the original term crazy making because it makes more sense. Um, but when people don't realize how insidious it actually is and how it plays such a huge part in that person maintaining or gaining control over you. And it, and it doesn't have to be so concrete as, I mean, it's, it's subtleties and it's over time. Mm -hmm. It's implanting, um, implanting, maybe it's okay that she contacted her ex-boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Am I blowing this out of proportion? Mm -hmm. So it's over time with just these little planting of, it makes you maybe my values are off. Maybe I'm too strong in this area. You start to really question your own identity and you begin to lose that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the danger of gaslight, especially when it's the overt um, narcissist, uh, easy to pick out. Uh, we, we know who those people are mm -hmm. and we can caution our friends about it. And it's that covert narcissist that is those subtle grooming abuse plants of bombs that they're, they're putting in there. That is that erosion of who am I? And that's the dangerous part. That's the slope I started finding myself going down is that because I did, I was like, well, let me look at the DSM again. Maybe I am a narcissist. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty confident person. So maybe I'm over the top confident. Um, but it, it plants your seed that maybe it is. Me. It's because that's the personality trait that we have yeah. we have the conscious conscientiousness piece to us that we're, we're empathetic and i'm open to hearing your thoughts and opinions with the belief that you wouldn't do that on purpose just right. to 
Gaslight goes, it, almost, it almost goes beyond reason that someone would do that on purpose, right? Especially someone that you love and care about and that you trust. Like you wouldn't ever think that, you know, this person that I'm married to or my mom or dad would do this, you know, that it goes beyond, especially if you don't know what gaslighting is, you know, reason why I'm going through all this, all these, um, all, all this uh, vocabulary, because it goes beyond reason that someone would intentionally try to make you feel like you're crazy, throwing your iPad, moving your keys, unlocking doors. Right? Why would anyone do that? Right? It goes beyond reason unless you know that even exists. Yes, it, it does go within, you know, outside of the rationale of the world that you live in, mm-hmm. that most people don't as long as you know most people don't Mm -hmm. do this which i think is why a lot of people are spooked out to even get into a relationship um after it because you know they've they experienced it so it is out there but yeah that knowing and, and still to this day i look at the pet and i go through it with a fine tooth comb and it's like was was that real what was the whole thing fake um and i've you know since um going through a brutal one term maybe discard that you have there um discard and then people coming and talking to me and they tell me well we heard that she had met with a lawyer three years before to find out how long she needed to stay with me to take they said half your wealth and it's like now is that real does did she fake it for at least three more years Mm -hmm. and it's it's the hard to put your brain around there's actually some people out there that will that's intentional Mm -hmm. that is calculating they may not have you know this all mind mapped out but it's all intentional and it's so confusing because it's, but you loved them, but you hated them. And they, did they really do, did they really mean this? Um, that it's a, uh, that gaslighting experience is, uh, if you haven't been through it, and that's why I think I can be very passionate about it mm-hmm. because I've been through it. Yeah. I know where you were before the relationship and where, you're at afterwards and that rebuilding yeah. of your it's it's so much about self-worth yeah. because you feel one you feel so silly mm-hmm. that how could i have loved somebody like that and, and being able to get over that and knowing you know I, it's because i've got some good stuff i got yeah, some good absolutely. traits and somebody just you know was a con artist and yeah. took advantage of me Talk, let's talk about that rebuilding phase before we before we hop off. Uh, what does the rebuilding phase look like? The healing phase. Um, I'm going to give you another probably common question that you get all the time. How long does it take? Right. Everyone always asks. You know, and uh, you know what does that rebuilding phase look like? Um, where where's a good starting point for someone that might be listening that might be just right out of that relationship uh, or considering getting out, but they know that that, that there's going to be um, you know, they're, they're going to deal with the trauma bond and, uh, what, what did that look like for you? Or what is it that you would share with other people in terms of that re- rebuilding? Sure. And, and I think part of it for me, um, you know, as a therapist, hopefully people know you, you don't play therapist in your own brain and your own home. 
um, I got my own therapy mm -hmm. and it was so empowering mm -hmm. and so what I needed because I was just, I'm where so many people, people were at, yeah. um, just not believing in myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 50 now, but back mm -hmm. then I was in my mid forties and, you know, I'm washed up and who's going to love me. You start. And I, I, I probably every person I talk to, I, I hold up my hands and say, okay, we're going to paint a picture. What's that picture look like mm -hmm. when you think about how life can be in a whether you're single whether you're with somebody what's it gonna look like because if you paint the picture of what you have right now you got to realize and i can say it pretty confidently if you're with a narcissist this is what it's going to be yeah. what do you want this to look like if mm -hmm. you've got 50 years left, if you've got 60, 70 years left, what's it going to look like? And if you can see it, then it can happen. Yeah. If you can't see it, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. So we have to start with what's this picture look like? And so that's always a starting point. And then we say, all right, so we got this picture, but you don't really believe it. Okay. Why is that? And so often it goes to that self-worth yeah. and the rebuilding of those great things about you. What do we need to do to bring those out that you believe it? I, I can't just tell you you're great. Yeah, absolutely. You have to endorse and believe this is who I am. And I always give the example of getting to a point that you got to spring to your step and your head's held high and in a non-narcissistic way of I'm all that. Yeah. Um, I like who, someone who's lacked self-love and might feel like that, but it's not, it's not the same. It's not even it's the same. It's not the same. It, because, it is. Because even with a, even with a narcissist, that part, even that part is fake. They're really just covering up insecurities where this is really, you know, you're, you can still be a very loving kind person that loyal person that you were that's that person is still there and then you have this edge about you that you that was also needed as well quite often you kind of already i can't speak for it can't speak for you but that's how i felt like i knew that that other side of me was there but i was always i, I was always told or convinced that that part that part was wrong for one one reason or another right by, by multiple different people and then you find out that no that edge was always supposed to be there and, 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 uh, and that's what helps keep you balanced. That's exact. And that's where, you know, we all have some level of narcissism is what mm -hmm. they say, but I, I like to say there's levels of confidence mm -hmm. and to have a healthy dose of confidence. You know, I semi jokingly in one of my TikToks did a I'm getting ready to be married, but I'm in, actually in love with somebody else. It's myself. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to 
say that in a way and i'm always paranoid someone yeah he's a narcissist because he loves himself it, it, that's not the point it's right. you have to you have to love yourself mm-hmm. and be confident in who you are and if you're not okay well let's, let's we need to search for that uh, gold that's inside mm-hmm. and if you had it before i think it's easier to conjure up if you didn't have it before well we need to do some retooling to find out what those things are um, because that is a basic building block. And it's, that's not an overnight thing to say, okay, now I got self-worth that takes time. That takes maintenance and responsibility to keep it too. Absolutely. The consistency and sometimes it's, you know, your, your um, basic cognitive therapy stuff where we're, changing our thought patterns we're doing those positive affirmations to believe it Mm -hmm. and to believe in those things for yourself sometimes it's actually going and doing things self-care um activities that you are taking care of yourself and doing things that are loving that makes you center that that gets you you know i use a, a classic dbt um, technique of we have three states of mind. We have the emotional mind, we have the logical mind, and then we have the wisdom or the wise mind. And it's learning how to center in mindfulness of being able to look deep inside and say, I can hear it. And, and I heard it when I was married to my ex. I heard it and I didn't listen. I didn't want to. I kept pushing it down because the wisdom said, what the hell you, I've got a daytime drama or Dr. Phil show that I, people was like, that's not true because it was drama. Mm -hmm. And to know, I appreciate peace Mm -hmm. so much more now. Mm -hmm. And I live, I, I live a peaceful loving life that that's why um i'm getting married next month because we have no drama we have peace and i've got a like-minded empathetic caring person i knew who what what my needs were i knew them before i just this i was vulnerable um and to know you can get to that piece so when we paint that picture i always bring it up just to see if you know is that your value too Mm -hmm. of living a peaceful life and usually it is because when you're in a toxic relationship you know we the category is erratic and dramatic that's Mm -hmm. the personality it falls under that umbrella so to know i'm out of a drama life what does that look like? And, and when somebody's been with somebody so long, they don't even know what that looks right. like. Right. And to be able to paint that picture, it can be peaceful. And Absolutely. this is what it would look like is so important. And, you know, that's, that's a big, I kind of play cheerleader a lot yeah. of that motivator to say, come on, we can paint a better picture yeah. than that. Yeah. Um, life, we've got one life and we're not going to live this dramatic life unless you choose that and i don't know why you would let's paint this peaceful life happy energetic enthusiastic um 
And so to be able to do that, to identify that self-worth, that self-care, um, that's not, I always am challenged with TikTok of fitting all that in in 60 seconds, as Absolutely. I'm sure you've Absolutely. learned. Um, and so that that's the, the challenging part because that takes time. We have to unpackage that. Lance, thank you very much for hopping on with us. I appreciate your time. You dropped a lot of wisdom. I always, um, I always uh, ambush people with this at the end. Um, just uh, give us uh, some of your closing thoughts, maybe some, I mean, you already give us so many different pearls, but maybe um, something that you kind of live by or something that you commonly tell people a saying, a quote, um, or even just kind of a mantra that, that you or uh, something that you share with, uh, with other people. Sure. Um, I, I, I know one of my go-tos all the time is what's happiness. And it's this really complicated formula. Um, and it's peace. Mm -hmm. That's, that is my definition. It's changed over time, mm -hmm. but when you can find peace and it doesn't have to be just because of what you're going through it can be the pandemic it can be losing somebody but when we can find that degree of peace that we are just being that's happiness and that is the motivator that I tried to put out to people is let's let's figure that out we, we can figure it out what that piece looks like. It may not be easy, but we can get there. That's awesome. Lance, thank you very much. So for those of you who are listening, you can uh, find Lance if you're looking to contact, if you're looking for a therapist um, and you're in the Virginia, uh, state of Virginia, you can go to zipzoptherapy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find Lance on TikTok. What's your handle again? Zipzoptherapy. Zipzoptherapy on TikTok yep. as well. And uh, Lance, once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your presence and all of your pearls of wisdom. And we will see you on our For You page. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Keep your head to the sky. Spread your wings wide. Show the world you can fly, baby. Show the world you can fly. Show the world you can fly, baby. Dream big. Keep your head to the sky. Spread your wings wide. Show the world you can fly, baby. Show the world you can fly. Yeah, show the world you can fly. Dream big, keep your head to the sky. Spread your wings wide, show the world you can fly. Baby, show the world you can fly. Show the world you can fly. Dream big, keep your head to the sky. Spread your wings wide, show the world you can fly. Baby, show the world you can fly. Yeah, show the world you can fly. Dream big, now the time we dream big. It's all we take with us and the things we did. Dream big. Just dream big, yeah, that's what my nana said Dream big, what we told me, dream big It's all we take with us and the things we did Dream big, yeah, just dream big, yeah, that's what my brother said